This is On The Grid, powered by theracetalk.com on mypodcasthouse.com. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com, of course powered by theracetalk.com and speaking of theracetalk.com, Richard Crail and Dale Rogers to join us in just one tick. Plenty to cover off what a massive weekend it was for supercars at Winton. We had Formula Ones at Monaco and we had the Indianapolis 500, the Indy 500, one of the great races of all time. We'll talk all about that right now. Joining us on the line to cover off what was a very, very interesting supercar weekend up at Winton, Richard Crail. Good day to you. Mr. Baxter, nice to be back. Uh, lovely to have you back as well. Dale Rogers, lovely to have you on again. Thank you, Tony. Nice to be here. Uh, am I right in saying that, gentlemen? Probably one of the more interesting weekends we've had for a supercar round for a long, long time. There just seem to be so many different permutations, so many different fines, so many different penalties, so many different situations, a lot of things happened. Yeah, I, I don't know if more interesting weekend we've had in a long time because they've all been fascinating with all the stuff that's been going on this year and not, not one has been the same, be it charity adjustments or whatever the chats that week's been. But, uh, yeah, it was it was another fascinating time around. To be honest, most of the chatter for a, a good portion of the weekend was more about mobile phone reception than it was actual motor racing. Because or the lack of. You know, the lack thereof, because Telstra let the side down in a big way and decided for the first time they wanted to charge for a temporary mobile tower. And as a result, the promoter said no, which they're completely entitled to do. Uh, and as a result, anyone with Telstra phones, including yours truly, uh, had absolutely no internet reception all weekend. So well done, Telstra. That was a great bit of PR on their behalf. Uh, I hope they sponsor our podcast soon. Um but no, look, great, great weekend. Really enjoyed it. As a race meeting, I thought it was terrific. Support program was really good. Bumper racing, two days of supercars, less practice, just ticked all the boxes. And then the on-track product was impressive. McLaughlin's recovery drive, I thought, after getting caught out slightly in qualifying and only managing fifth place, which is a, a surprise when it comes to McLaughlin and working his way through the field after the uh, the controversial start to that race was great. And then he smoked them again on Sunday and, a typically dominant performance. So lots going on, lots to talk about, and a really interesting sequence of results that just continues to build the competitive nature in this championship, at least behind Car 17 going into the next round in Darwin. And your take on it, Dale? Yeah, I, I would agree, too. I think one of the things Wheaton does really well is that it is wall-to-wall racing. There's no gaps. Uh, as Richard said, the support categories were really good. The racing was good. The, 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 the support categories were varied. You had, you know, Formula Ford, the, the XLs run with about 850 of them running. Um, you know, there was just a lot happening. Super 3 was fantastic and, and TCM. So from a punter's point of view, it's a great track to watch motorsport. There was plenty happening. The quality of the racing was good. And the, super, the two supercar races, albeit very different the way they panned out, oftentimes the Saturday 120K race is the one that doesn't fire and the Sunday race is. And it was the Saturday race, which was actually the one that was the better race. There was mm. plenty going on. That You know, the two shell cars, as Richard mentioned, came together. Um, you know, Scotty knew exactly where to go back on the track, although some people didn't didn't obviously read the sub-regs or listen to the driver's briefing. He knew what he was doing, and he had he was he was quite within his rights to do that. 
Um, so the racing was, I thought, was was particularly good on Saturday. On Sunday, the highlight for me, Tony, was um, Scott McLaughlin's qualifying effort with a new track record. Yeah. Um, 0.5 of a second ahead of his teammate. Um, and it's no disrespect to Fabian. He was half a second in front of Fabian. The next seven or eight cars were separated by 0.2 of a second. Mm. So he's half a second on the field, not just his teammate. It's amazing. And it was staggering. It was absolutely he's done staggering. That half, he's done that half a dozen times this year, though. Like, and, and this is the point we've been beating on about all year on, on the cast is that the parity issues are hard to read because one Mustang's doing such a beatdown on the rest of the field, especially over one lap, Dale. And that was the case on the weekend. I, I, that's one of his best laps. Like His job in Barbagello was awesome, but... In a what what a seventy eight second lap minute eighteen to be on pole by half a second is just much ridiculous. Yeah, I spoke to Ludo on Sunday in, on the pit lane and uh, congratulated him. And 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 even Ludo said it, it, it is staggering to him what he's doing with this car. He 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 said that he is just such in such a good space in such a good zone with this car. And he said he doubts anyone in the field could could do that in any car. So even Ludo was was blown away by his performance. He just said he's, he's just working at such a high level, and he is he is the quality of the field. But uh, yeah, look, a, a lot of other things. Triple Eight, um, you know, Win Cup had a real crack on on Sunday. That was struggling, but uh, sorry, uh, Ben Gisbergen was the one for me who continues to struggle a little bit. Um, I think, as as he said, and we've said on this on this show a couple of times that. The change to this car seems to have affected Van Gisbergen probably more than Jamie, mm. and he just doesn't look comfortable in the car. Um, he, he said on the radio after qualifying that he, he couldn't get the tyres come, come up. Now, it was cold, yeah. but it was cold for everybody. It wasn't just cold for the 97 car. He really is having a battle trying to find the sweet spot in this car, and um, obviously they're working hard and they're a great team, but it, it, is, it does look like a bit of a struggle. Jamie looked a bit better. Um, and I guess you know the other the, the Erebus boys were the ones that really, from a from a Commodore point of view, looked pretty sharp. Um, you know, Anton had his problems, Davey had his problems. They all seemed to wanted to get, uh, incur the wrath of Craig Baird, mm. but um, you know they did look pretty sharp. The rest of the Commodore teams, you know, really weren't uh, there. Albeit Nick Perkett did a stunning job uh, in the number eight um, Honda <laughs> Commodore. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, uh, ge- gentlemen, just just based uh, on uh, comments made by Dado, I think I read them in speakcafe.com this week, uh, saying that they weren't racing DJR Team Penske. They were effectively just doing what they had to do. Is that a little bit of a cover-up for the fact that we're still not 100% sure about what, what's happening and we're just worrying about ourselves and nobody else? Or are they, have they really put the pit on the season and said, that's it, we're done? No, I, I don't think so. I, I and Dado, I, I read that same article. He was very clear saying, "Look, we we haven't ruled out beating these guys, but we just wanted to do our own thing." I, I think that's what it is. They're they're focusing on their own program at the moment, and you know it was pretty clear that unless the red Mustangs trot on themselves at some point in either one of those races, which they very nearly did on on Saturday, um, the battle for Triple Eight was always going to be with Erebus in the, the Penrite cars for, for probably third and fourth place. Uh, and that was their focus. And Erebus have got their mojo back. Slow start to the season for that team, especially based on where they were last year and the fact that they put their attention into the, the linear dampers a lot earlier on in the progress compared to some other teams. So we expected them to be better than they were at the start of the season. But 
Davey was superb on the weekend. Anton's got speed, and I think consistency's coming. So, Triple Eight, they, they've. If there's one thing that that team I think do really well is have a really good understanding of where they're at. When they're on top, they're confident. They execute every single time. But in moments like this, they're chasing. They're they're just focusing on their own car performance and not worrying about what they can't affect, which is everyone else around them. So. No, I, I I don't mind those comments from Dotto. It shows the approach that they're taking. They're just they're just focused on getting their own house in order and their own cars working well, so they can go and challenge it. I got to say, and we talked about this after Barbagello. I'm still really enjoying the Jamie Wink Cup we've got at the moment. I'm mm. I'm enjoying the challenge. I'm enjoying the fact that he's clearly wringing the neck of this thing, and he's the underdog for the first time potentially in his career since he joined Roland's team. So. I'm I'm enjoying seeing that aspect of Jamie and how well he's going. And even though Shane's in front of the championship, uh, I think Jamie's getting the most out of it so far this season. And is that, Dale, due to the fact that uh, there is no real expectations of Jamie at the moment? He can actually go out there and have some fun with this car because really no one expects at the moment, the way they're going, for him to do anything better than what he's doing. Well, I think, look, he's, he's a super competitor. No, no, don't take that away from him. No, but, no. Uh, even his demeanour in the pits, you know, on, on Saturday and Sunday, he was out in the pit lane. He was he was talking to people. He was he looks he looks relaxed, uh, but he's got the fire in his belly. He, he wants to get this car back to the front. There's no doubt about it. I yeah. mean, he wants to be there with his shame. But he looks as though he's not accepting the issue. But he's very comfortable saying that we're working hard as a team. In the recent article on the race talk, he talked about the power of the team in in, in how he goes racing, and I think this is really where Jamie Wincup will step up. He, he, I think he's got that ability to really rally people around him, possibly more than Shane does, but um, and he and he seems to be doing it. And, and I, I'm with Richard. I, I really enjoyed. It. He, you know, he battled hard on Sunday. He made some great passes. Um, he he was racing a car that wasn't going to win the race. Um, but he was he was giving it his all. I totally agree with that. Interesting to see that uh, Richie Stanaway, unfortunately, uh, wasn't able to compete the majority of the weekend due to a neck injury which he sustained, I think, uh, earlier in the week in a, a test day. He was replaced by Chris Pither. Uh, talk about Stanaway getting an injection and the like, and that's a there's a lot of that in sport, a lot of talk about that in sport at the moment, especially when it was shown on live TV at a Brisbane Lions match uh, over the weekend mm. as well. Uh, good to see Chris Pither being able to step up and, and being there and, and get an opportunity. Yeah, look, Dale and I talked about this watching the races unfold. We thought we thought he did a really good job and he actually met, matched with 14th, matched the best finish of that car for the season, despite having not driven the thing in practice or qualifying. So well done to well done to Chris. He's a quality driver, you know, Super 2 champion. He was pretty decent. Uh, in the opening round of TCR and not particularly great Renault at the time uh, a week ago. So uh, it was great that he got the opportunity. He was there for the, the co-drivers cup on Friday, any on uh, Saturday morning, I should say anyway. So good stuff. Uh, as for Richie, that, that big crash in, uh, in earlier in the weekend certainly didn't help his cause as far as the neck goes and just added to, to his issues this year. It's been a, a really challenging one, but it, it's been challenging for that team overall. It, it's, it's one of the biggest stories. If it wasn't for all the stuff going on with the domination of the Mustang and McLaughlin's form and Triple Eight struggles and all the other storylines, I think the deep dive into where GRM are at at the moment uh, would have been talked about more because they are struggling big time. Now, this is a team that last year were on the podium a couple of times with Garth Tander, but they have not looked like troubling it. They've lucked their way into a couple of top tens. 
I think James Golding's done a solid job so far this season, probably a little bit unheralded. But as a team, they are right at the back of the field and uh, it's a massive struggle and it's not just Stanaway, it's the whole uh, the whole squad. Dale, a lot of people are going to look at that team and say that, and whether it's right or wrong, everyone's going to point their finger at the fact that they seem to be spreading themselves fairly thin with the S5000 work that they're doing, with the TCR work that they're doing, and a supercar team. Is that something that they're going to be able to brush off and, and say that's not the case? Well, Gary's got a you know, pretty substantial workforce down there at, at his workshop. But uh, look, I think one of the things that, that it comes with change with these cars, and, the, and I think the Commodores, regardless of where your team was in its technological development of the, of the spring setup and everything else, it seems to me that, that the drivers that have experience, that have uh, the ability to really tune in with their engineers, yeah, and, and they become one. Other other teams that really prosper, and you know, James Golding is very young. Uh, he's come up through the ranks, and, and he's you know I think he he's he served a good apprenticeship when Garth was there. Stanaway too is very young, um, albeit he's driven a lot of cars, but he's really I don't think he's really got the technical feedback. They're missing a Garth Tander. They're missing that ability to come in with to, to talk to Krusty or one of the engineers, and really really unlock this car because they've got two very young guys not very experienced uh, got you know good engineers no no doubt about it but i'd sort of question whether or not they've got the ability to get the feedback into these cars to really you know power them along because they look like probably the um i hate to say it that 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 they are the back of the field commodore team there's no doubt mm-hmm. about it and grm shouldn't be there you know they, they've over the years they've performed pretty well but uh, on the question of spreading themselves uh look we spoke with Brad Jones sometime uh, back earlier this year on uh, on the grid, Tony, yep. and uh, we talked about the business model. And you know, I, I think the business model of today really is that you you invest in other categories. Uh, I mean, in some weekends, Brad's taking away eight vehicles. Um, so whether Gary's gone down that path, I think that the the TCR cars have arrived. You know, I mean, they were largely unsettled by the time they got to. Um, to uh, Sydney Motorsport Park. Ash Seward's Motorsport's taken over one of the Alphas to run for him. So possibly, um, you know, he, he's got a workforce. I guess he's got to keep him working uh, five days a week. But, uh, you know, knowing Gary, he'll, he'll, he'll find a way to squeeze it out of those guys. He's a good operator. But uh, I just think that, pro- you know, once you, once you lose your way in, this, in the supercar category, and it's not by much, it's by fine margins, sometimes it's very hard to come back. You know, you, you you can be so close to having the thing dialed in, and be nowhere, and then you start making changes. Then you're doubting, you know, where we're going with it. And I, I just seem to me the cars don't look good on track, um, and they they certainly do not. They're not troubling anybody in terms of even the, you know the top twelve. You mentioned working with engineers. Great to see the Wilkinshaw and Ready United uh, have made a a bit of a, a jump up the, the the step, I suppose, in regards to James Courtney finishing fourth, a pair of tens or top ten results for Scott Pye, and a bit of a a bit of an engineering shake up, I suppose, in a way. At, at WAU has seen them sort of turn their fortunes around. Yeah, and clearly they gave the guys on those cars an opportunity to get things right but clearly they felt as a team that there was a need to get that experience that was what i was just talking about it's so much experience with the platform change that's happened with the spring and and shock package this season so having um maddie nilsson and carl foe actually get active on the 
on the cars and, and working directly on them rather than the broader team approach clearly had results because they were they were much better. Having said that, they had a test day there recently. So, um, you know, you, you go into a circuit where you've recently tested, you you would hope that you're always going to be more competitive. The, the big task to that outfit now is unloading in Darwin and being in that top five or six position with one car and then moving onwards there to Townsville where they've traditionally been pretty strong on the street tracks and uh, and then to QR. So that, that'll be key, but it was pleasing to see that team after a pretty rotten start to the season make a, a step forward at least in some positions. And, hey, they almost uh, they almost led a race until James Courtney got bumped off the road by Tavy Reynolds. Yeah, they certainly did. Hey, Dale, are we going to see a situation where Scott McLaughlin could have the championship nearly wrapped up by Bathurst? Well, there's some people in the media centre talking about... Uh, uh, you know, how, when can you be 1,200 points in front? So <laughs> I think there was a fair bit of uh, a fair bit of scuttlebutt about it. But look, the point score certainly um, is structured so we, we we get to the end of a season. Um, you know, we've had drivers that are three and 400 points in front going into the endurance races, and all of a sudden that lead evaporates because they don't finish one of those races. So I don't think we really get a gauge on this until uh, you know probably Bathurst, and of course. Uh, you know, we dive into the endurance series in Bathurst with a 300-pointer straight up. I think if he's leading by three or 400 points at Bathurst and he wins Bathurst, but don't forget, the people behind him have got to fall over. You know, Fabian's got to have a couple of disastrous rounds. Um, ben Gisbergen's got to fall over. So these, it, 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 he's only going to get that far in front because the points won't allow him to unless he can keep winning. But if, he's, if his key competitors keep coming second, third, fourth and fifth, He's not gapping out at 100, 100, 200 points around. So, you know, the, the point structure, albeit that it, it builds up massive numbers at the end of the season, has proven to work particularly well in recent years. We, we've gone down to the wire. So, um, look, he's, <laughs> I mean, he's definitely he's, he's on the way to win a championship. You know, there's no doubt about that. At what point he can win it, yeah, I think we've got a, we've got a long way to go. And uh, a couple of cruel rounds at, um, in the endurance races, you know, and you can tumble six. 100 points, 300 mm-hmm. points, 900 points. Yeah. As, as, as Bathurst proved to them last year, you know, that, 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 and, you know they've, they've had a couple of ordinary runs at Bathurst. Uh, yes, on the podium year, the year before in the wet, um, didn't finish. So it can come tumbling down pretty quickly. And, and I think the, the eyes at the moment are just accumulating these points. And I, you'd have to think that at Darwin and Townsville, uh, there'll be another bag for, for both those short cars. Well, I agree with all of that. Yeah. But I think he's going to win it by race two on the Gold Coast. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, that, that's probably not. A, that's not. That might. That might be a pretty fair bet, actually. Yeah. So the Gold Coast is. Remind me again. Is it the second or the third of the Enduro races? Gold Coast second. is second. It's second, after Bathurst. Right. So yes, I'll win Bathurst because that that's the next box the captain's got to tick. He's got to tick that one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, and that's a big one. And and Scotty too for his own career needs a Bathurst victory. Uh, yeah. They'll win Bathurst and then. They'll go and beat them on the Gold Coast in race one, and I reckon that'll be the that'll be the championship. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll go sand down, Richard. I'll go sand. Okay, all right. Mark <laughs> that down, Shebex. Yeah, Mark that down. It is. It's recorded. And there's a there's a chicken palmy to whoever gets closest. <laughs> Sounds good. Either way, either way, he's going to win it. So. Oh no <laughs> doubt. I wouldn't think there's any bet on that. No doubt. Hey guys, you mentioned the uh, support category earlier on, and just how good it was. Richard, uh, fantastic. A young kid that I've had a fair bit to do with, Jada Jada, through the Formula Four season last year. Mm. Fantastic to see him get up and grab a win in Super Threes. Mate, Super Three is, I think, the best category in the country at the moment in terms of pure 
entertaining racing. Uh, if you've seen a more dramatic touring car race this year than race three, the Sunday race for Super 3 on the weekend, um, please show it to me because I want to watch it. It'll be captivating. Yeah. Uh, terrific championship. A bunch of these eight teenagers in that field, eight teenagers driving supercars. Um, it, it has stepped up an enormous level this year, and that's not just the Super 3 brand that was added for the first time in that new relationship with supercars. It's just a, a combination of the way that series has evolved and grown uh, over the last couple of years. Man, the racing's good. The product is outrageously competitive, and, yeah, Jaden. Uh, helped a little bit by some adversity from Zach Best, who to that point had won the first two races and indeed the first round of the season as well. But uh, that's the way it goes, uh, and he drove superbly and got the round. Excuse me, got the round win. And uh, man, I, I can't wait for Queensland Raceway already, where they rock up next, and that's that's going to be a huge weekend. It's a great, great championship. TCM were there also, Dale, and also the Australian Formula Ford Series, which saw some great young kids uh, racing around as well. Yeah, I think the, the display of, 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 of young talent on, on display at Winton was great. The Formula Ford racing was terrific. Um, you know, Sonic, again, just uh, showing what, what a powerhouse they are in the in the junior categories. Um, and also, I, I agree with, with Richard on, on the Super 3, but the, the thing for me is that, 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 that although the branding has been part of it, and I agree, it, it's just come on so quickly. And, uh, you know, you've got Matt White Racing involved, you've got Paul Morris Motorsport involved, so all of a sudden you've now got the teams that are running Super 2 programs and now embracing the Super 3 programs as well. They're putting some great young kids in it. The fact that it's, that it's now got some, some good rounds, where, where effectively you could argue that uh, it, it was a you know a, a headline support act. It wasn't sort of the, the, mm. the last one. It was it was really, the, you know, TCM and, um, and Super 3 were the, the, the two key categories. And that's a change. You know, we, we, we saw... Some years where where the category was, uh, you know, there were some some guys who had some beautiful cars, but they they were they were running for pleasure. They weren't running for careers. We've got now the front of that grid, you know, the first ten cars or so running to say, hey, look at me, I'm I'm young, I'm aggressive, I've got some good equipment here, and I can drive. And I, mm. it, it really is, it, you know, the ladder really is in place now, which is great. But uh, look, I enjoyed I, I, Formula Ford. I enjoyed, you know, I, th- I think having open wheel racing on a supercharged program is just fantastic, mm. and and the more we can do it, the better. It does showcase um, some great young, some kids driving, and they are young, some young chargers in there. Again, you know, it, it brings back what we used to have was people in higher up the sport looking at young guys and girls in these categories, and the best category to see them running in is Formula Ford. You know, it, it, it really does show some great racecraft and some great young kids. Remember when Formula Ford used to be on the program? Every team manager and senior driver was on the wall watching them, and pretty well the whole grid was forming the Ford drives. Mm, yeah, very so, true. So um, it's a, it's a great little category, and I'm, I'm pleased to see it's getting a bit of run of a few rounds. But uh, yeah, I, I look, I, we've been to some supercar rounds where you'd say, "God, that support category was uh, pretty boring." Uh, they nailed it on the weekend at Witten. As I said, it was just you know the the, uh, the action track, I think they call it, but it was it was great, and uh, and it was just great to see so many young young drivers male and female out there, uh, you know, really giving it all. Before we move on to uh, IndyCar and, of course, the Indy 500 and F1, we should just mention, too, that the uh, very all-important power rankings, the Race Talk power rankings, are out soon? Yes. No, they'll be, uh, when this goes live, they'll be up uh, Tuesday night. So uh, they go live on the Race Talk after every round. Yeah. We'd love people to continue their feedback. Probably the most talked-around segment and a website for a long time. 
Oh, well, you'd like to think so, wouldn't you? Uh, and it, it's growing, certainly getting some attention in the paddock. Uh, gets gets mentioned by a few people. Some like it, some don't. That's fine. We, we're completely open with that. Uh, yeah, no, it's good that there's a few few things that have been mentioned this time. Uh, we talk about the Telstra issue gets brought up, obviously, with the phone service. That's a, a, a big knot. That shouldn't happen in this modern era. Uh, with telecommunications so important and people want to stream races on their phones and whatever. Um, what gets a nod? There's, there's quite a few nods. There's a lot of hot good. from the weekends that, that needed to be talked about. Uh, not so many nots, uh, which okay. I thought was good. There's, there's a lot of positivity in the air after this one. Well, we, don't want to be, we don't want to be yeah. negative. No, 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 we don't. No, but but right. if you deserve a clip, you'll get one from, <laughs> from the power rankings. But uh, we, uh, no, we, the, we've... We, we had a few people comment on the, on the powerings, and I, I got a, quite a few comments. And in fact, the I think it was it was even terrific when Chad Nolan, in fact, on the commentary was talk, was talking about uh, you know will that move get a uh, get a comment on the powering on the yeah. powering this week? So uh, yes, no, it's it's been taken notice. We've ruffled a few feathers along the way, and uh, but we've also called it as we've seen it, and plenty more feathers to be ruffled, I'm sure, as the season is but very young. Uh, Penske. Organisation uh, did a, a rare weekend uh, double, Richard, as you pointed out so rightly on Twitter, an Indy 500 win and a win at Winton. Yeah, yeah, never been done before. No. Uh, <laughs> and may never be done again. One. Yeah, no, correct. Yeah, Simon Pagano wins Indy 500, one of the great motor races. Uh, just, just incredible. The 18th win for the captain on the speedway in the 103rd running of the race, and they're They've been there 50 years this year as well, so just another anniversary. Um, it's just, yeah, extraordinary show. It, it's as you know, Shebeck's yeah. been there. It's, it's one of the great, great races to attend live, but it's one of the most exciting races to watch on TV. And the last 13 laps after that final restart were breathtaking motorsport with Pagano and Rossi dicing for the lead, and there were four lead changes in that uh, little exchange, and and. Two tenths of the second winning margin, doing 370 k's an hour while carving each other up. It was a great race, it, it, and it's growing again. It, it continues to to preserve and to expand. And I, I saw that the TV ratings were up. Of course, the shift to NBC for the first time, so more people in the states watched it this year than last year, which is a positive. Uh, and as IndyCar slowly regained some legs from where it used to be many years ago, now. Um, that race continues just to be one of the great, great motor races in the world. So, please for uh, please for Petsky, got to got to say a great recovery drive from Will Power um, after a, a penalty dropped him to the back of the lead lap, which was outside the top twenty. Uh, he brushed one of his crew members coming into pit lane, which is a big no-no. So, got to wrap over the knuckles for that. Um, he recovered to fifth place uh, with some great moves and proves that uh, proves that he had the pace to, to defend his victory from last season. Yeah, terrific race. So much going on. And James Davison finished 12th, which is an awesome job for the other Aussie in the field. So lots of cool stories to come out of that. Yeah, I think a- one of the things that really was really impressive about that and, and just how good open wheel racing can be is those cars, I know they're on the super speedway, I know they're carrying minimal aero, but it was great to see how the slipstream of these cars works, how the car can come right up to the back of the car without washing, washing uh, aero wash on the car pull out and pass and those early, even in the early laps when they were going too wide around you know to mm. all corners yeah you know, it, it's it's open wheel racing at its absolute best it's it's absolutely spectacular and uh, 
um, yeah, it's one I haven't been to, guys. So uh, next time uh, I'll I'll be with you. Well, I think we need a, a the racetalk.com team trip yeah. next year. Um, yeah, I think we'll, so. We'll try and find that in the budget. Yeah, yeah, they've got the package right though for that race, and uh, uh, probably five or six years ago, as thrilling as it was, it was almost too easy to make a pass, and you get so much of a toe, you'd slingshot your way past, and you didn't want to lead. Um, and I think. I think most people agree that you want to lead the race. You don't want to be in that position where you want to hang back and run second rather than being the guy out in front of any motor race, let alone the Indy 500. But they've got the package right now that where you've got to be good to make a move and you've got to time it to perfection and, and every pass is earned. It's not like a DRS-style free kick where you blow past the car and you get gobbled up in the next lap. So I, I, from a racing point of view, I think IndyCar's just about nailed the tech specs for those cars for that race in particular um, and it just makes it even more thrilling so it's it's such a good show worth getting up at 2.45 in the morning for it certainly is does anyone want to make a comment about Fernando Alonso and McLaren not qualifying not particularly no no, no but I, I, I think Zach Brown's press release said it all. It's worth a read. Um, well, yeah, you know, the fact that there was no steering wheel to the wrong orange colour, I think when you're in that, you know, if that's where you're at to start, I think you're in major trouble. Yeah, there's a story Jennifer Fry wrote uh, which documented that whole process, and, and I was surprised that Zach gave her that much access. It was for the AP, the Associated Press. It's, it's on their website, worth a read. It's pretty revealing. Uh, it's the kind of stuff you make movies out of yeah. in 20 years' time. It was... Uh, Pretty dramatic, but hopefully it means they want to come back and do it because I think IndyCar's better with McLaren in it than not. Yeah. Um, and for McLaren, they need something they can be successful at. So, uh, yeah, not a great weekend for them, though. Jewel in the crown of the F1 calendar, Monaco. Uh, another, well, it wasn't a great race, but uh, a good winner to Lewis Hamilton. Daniel Ricciardo, he was uh, absolute thumbs up to team changes or changes to his car that the team made for qualifying, but then uh, wasn't uh, happy with him uh, with uh, things that happened in his team for the race. Interesting well, race from a number of perspectives, Tony. I think that, you know, the, look, the Renault should have done well at, uh, at Monaco. It's a circuit that uh, it, it probably hides a few things for some of the cars. It probably brings them a little bit closer together if you look at the practice times. But he did a great job in qualifying. There's no question about it. Um, there were a couple of highlights for me in Monaco. Yes, look, it is. It, it wasn't a great race. So I, I take that particularly. We're just talking about Indy being such a great race. I thought that the whole thing for Nicky Lauda was was really well done. Uh, yeah. With Lewis uh, running the, the the and Sebastian running the the helmets, really nicely done though. That both of those helmets of Nicky's were from two different eras. One was from the original era, which Patel uh, ran with the uh, Nicky Lauda on the side. And Hamilton ran his helmet design when he came back and ran from McLaren. So really, really nicely done. Mercedes ran the red halo, which I thought was also nice. The thing on the grid was good. So there was a lot of good things in terms of, of um, acknowledging Nicky Lauda, and it, it's, a, it's a big loss for the sport. To the race, uh, Verstappen, you know, look, the Red Bull is always good at Monaco. Look at Daniel's performances there in the past. Mark Webber's performances there. It is a car... That, that performs beautifully there because it's normally at a power disadvantage and it, it's all made up for at Monaco. So Verstappen drove a great race. His, his move, late move on, uh, on on Hamilton was was fantastic and you know it would have been nice to have it pull it off um, just to just to upset the apple cart a bit. But Hamilton's drive on those tyres from you know, pit stop on lap 11 was extraordinary. Um, and you know, he was bitching and moaning and carrying on on the on the, on the radio as he tends to do. But that was a great drive, you know, to take nothing away from it. It it was a bit Ricardo-esque from last year with a car that really wasn't 
100%, mm. and, and his mm. tyres were shot. Uh, he did a great job. Of the rest, yeah, there was some bit of carnage in pit lane. There was some. I did like Charles Leclerc. He was he was either going to win it or bin it. Um, he binned it, uh, but mm. at least he had a crack. Because mm. if you look at some of the Ferrari code uh, second drivers or other drivers in years, by Felipe Massa would never have done that. Eddie Irvine might have, uh, but most of the guys that have partnered Schumacher and in turn Vettel wouldn't have wouldn't have had a go at every corner like Leclerc did. So he's a racer. Um, yes, he, he he made a mess of it and. Uh, I'm sure that Ferrari weren't happy with seeing a tyre flapping around on them and ripping the floor to pieces, but at least he had a crack. And yeah, Daniel, but, yeah. But Leclerc should never have been in that position in the first place. No, they well, the team put him there. Yeah, so the, 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 the team ruined his race. And, and clearly Renault's been taking notes from Ferrari on how to screw a driver's <laughs> race up because shocking. They, shocking. they balls Ricardo up as well. So it's just, yeah, that, that was Dan's. Probably their best hope for a top five of the season. Like sure. he should have been fit in that race, but when they pitted him, they didn't need to. And it's so impossible to pass there that he could have held a spot anyway. Yeah, um, well, they, did, yeah. they didn't need to. Track position is king there, and what that Correct. what that safety car did on lap eleven is actually handed Ricardo the track position he needed. They've, because they've made, yeah, exactly. They've, they've just made too many strategic miscues this Shocking. year, Renault, yeah. trying to make up for. a uh, not a, not a very good racing car that they thought would be better, and they're yep, clearly that's, under some that's absolutely right. Yeah, absolutely pretty serious right. pressure. I, yeah, it, it's really frustrating, and and that that car's never going to win a race. You're lucky to get on the podium, but yep. Dan got the most out of it on the weekend, and his qualifying performance was superb. But uh, but got got dudded by the team, and and then Ferrari. Well, more people with more experience than I have talked about Ferrari's woes at the moment, but. Um, they're making it for me hard to watch F1 because they should be contending, but they've they haven't done a good enough job on the car. And then when the car is half all right, and they're an opportunity to go somewhere near challenging, they they screw it up they like might. what happened with Leclerc. So it's a really frustrating time to be a, a Formula One fan. But uh, yeah, good 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 Monaco Grand Prix as far as Monaco Grand Prix go. Of the others, Tony, I reckon McLaren have shown that they are definitely the fourth team in pit lane. They are now quite comfortably ahead of the the rest of the mid-pack. Toro Rosso did another good job, and, uh, you know, Kvyat's comeback has been good. Albon's a talent. Um, So now that McLaren, there's some 12 points, I think, ahead now of the the, the rest of them. So they are sitting in fourth place, which is a good effort for, for them. The battle between Toro Rosso, Renault, Haas and Racing Point is is extreme. There's only about two or three um, constructors' points between them. Um, so yeah, that but but you, you don't go to a Formula One race to watch to you know how's the battle going for tenth place, mm. uh, and that's really what the season's sort of turning into. Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, all right, guys, we'll uh, start turning our attention, I suppose, next week towards uh, the Bet Easy Darwin Triple Crown, which is the next supercars. Event and uh, well, that's going to be interesting for a lot of teams, isn't it? That one is a final word before we head off, guys, because it really is sort of nearly the halfway point of the season. And if you haven't got your package ready and done and ready to go by then, the rest of the year is going to be fairly long. I would have thought. Yeah, I've already got the shorts out and ready, giving them an iron so they look nice and got the thongs packed. Beautiful. Uh, we've only had where I am probably two days of what you'd officially call winter so far this year, but I'm over it. Uh, and very ready for the Darwin sunshine. Yeah, it, look, it's a key event. I mean, Mustang should dominate there with the mix of straight line speed. Now, they're less dragging than they used to be. And uh, the aero that they've got, uh, the compromise at Darwin is always the twisty stuff at the back between turn one 
and turn 14 and then the 1.1 kilometre long front straight. So uh, if they're not one through six in qualifying there, I'll be pretty surprised. Um, and it should be attractive, of course, seats for shell cars. But you never know which way that might roll. But you bang on, Shebex. You're not good by Darwin. It's going to be a long, old season for the rest of the year. And, and that's when you start rolling out the pressure laces where you go, yeah, we're, we've started to work towards 2020 now and we're, we're casting an eye to the future and we're going to make some experimental personnel changes or stuff on the cast. Some of those better. teams have been writing those press releases for the last three races. Well, correct, yeah. Um, but, of course, before we go to Darwin, we're at Phillip Island for yes. the Nationals and the next round of TCR Australia. So it'll be good to preview that when we come back next week. We will. Because I think that's, that's going to be a fascinating race meeting, uh, GT Endurance Racing and... Like Super 3, Porsche Michelin GT3 Cup Challenge has exploded this season with young drivers, and, and that's worth talking up. So, yeah, a lot, lot of good racing coming up very soon. It's in full racetracks, but can't wait to get to Darwin. It's such a cool place. Yeah, it certainly is. Dale, final word to you. Yeah, I think the uh, the TCR cars down at Phillip Island is going to be interesting. Uh, you know, we saw them at Sydney. Uh, a few people said they would have been great to launch on a, on a smaller, tighter track like, uh, you know, like QR or, or uh, in fact, Winton. Um, but look, they learned a lot up there, so let's hope they put on some good racing. Uh, for Darwin, I think that for, from the, 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 if this horrible parody word is going to raise its head again, it's going to come after Darwin because this is probably the next track after Phillip Island where if there is any real differentiation, it's going to show. It was never going to show that much at Perth or Winton, albeit that, that the Shell Mustangs at, uh, the Shell V Power Mustangs at Winton were, you know, they were in a different league. Um, so look, I hope that there are some Commodore teams that, uh, that, that to take this up to um, to the Shell V Power guys, the Nissans have you know sometimes done pretty well up there, but yeah. they don't they don't look like they're close this year. They're struggling to crack into the top ten, which is unfortunate because I think everyone loved to see that that you know that team get a couple in there. But uh, you know it, it would it would appear to be that uh, it, it on paper after Winton that DJR team Penske will go there and uh, be be packing a fair bit of uh, silverware into the transporter. It certainly does. Gentlemen, thanks again for your uh, work once more. We'll do it all again next week. Thanks, Rex. Thanks, Tony. See you soon. Richard Crowell and Dale Rogers wrapping up a big weekend at Winton and also at Monaco and also at Indianapolis. That's another episode of On The Grid wrapped up and locked in the can. Of course, powered by theracetalk.com. Jump on there and make sure you get the racetalk.com power rankings. They'll be up uh, very, very soon. Well, they'll be there, actually, by the time you get to hear this. We look forward to bringing up another episode of On The Grid next week right here on mypodcasthouse.com. And if you like like your wrestling as well, why not tune into one of our other podcasts on the turnbuckle? It's out every Thursday night. You might enjoy that as well. Till then.